Welcome to Bully Banter, the Commercial Dispatch's weekly Mississippi State Athletics podcast. I'm sports editor Theo DeRosa here with Colin Dams and Alex Murphy as we enter bowl season. Mississippi State finding out Sunday it's headed to the ReliaQuest Bowl. And if you've never heard of the ReliaQuest Bowl, maybe the Outback Bowl will be more familiar. It's what it used to be called, State playing January 2nd against Illinois in Tampa. But you probably already knew that if you're listening to this podcast. We'll talk a little bit about the bowl game. We'll talk about basketball and everything else going on. Colin, Alex, how are you guys doing today? Pretty, pretty good. good. Apparently, the um uh, the OPEX steakhouse money isn't as good as that cybersecurity money. Yeah, not a lot of people seem to know that it was cybersecurity. I did a Twitter quiz about what ReliaQuest means, and people thought it I was really false. don't think anyone cares about what the company ReliaQuest is. <laughs> no, I don't. Think I'll, so. it's, I'll be honest. I thought it was like. I thought it was like crypto or something. So I guess I was a little bit close, but not really. It's actually useful internet things instead. But yeah, like also we're missing Blue and Onion mascot. So how useful is it? Your crypto bowl would be kind of concerning given crypto's recent struggles. But uh, well, right. considering bowl games, if you guys didn't know, bowl games in the Tampa St. Pete area at one point, a game that Mississippi State used to play in, now called the Gasparilla Bowl, at one point was sponsored by Bitcoin. And at mm. one point, wasn't it played in Tropicana Field? It was. America's ballpark, as they as they so yep. fondly say in the baseball community. Got to say, I'm kind of a fan of it being in an NFL stadium and not at a baseball stadium. Uh, this time I just think time. it's funny because that means the Trop is like hosted all four. I mean, I understand it was college football, but still all four major sports, if you want to consider it that. It hosted NHL. They, yeah. Yeah. The Lightning played there back in the day when the Lightning first started off because the Trop didn't have a baseball team. The Lightning played their first four seasons there and it also hosted the 1999 uh, Final Four. Gotcha. Well, it's good to know it had events that people actually showed up for. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's 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 kind of barren these days, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you guys look at that matchup against Illinois, you know, I think a lot of state fans were hoping Notre Dame, North Carolina, and the Gator Bowl, which is an ACC matchup. Instead, you get the Big Ten, and you get an Illinois team that you know doesn't usually make it to eight and four. Have you guys uh, looked at Illinois at all, or do you know, you know, kind of what your what are your thoughts on state's matchup? Can they beat this team? Can they get to nine wins this year? Um, as someone who watches, I would assume more Big Ten football than the rest of the people on this podcast. Uh, I've seen Illinois play a few times. Oh, actually, well, yeah, Alex has probably seen them a couple times too. Um, <laughs> Illinois is definitely a sicko's Big Ten team. Um, for a little while, they were leading the race to uh win the prestigious Big Ten West. Uh, a couple losses towards the end of the season, including a nail biter uh against Michigan at Michigan Stadium um kept them from doing that and Purdue went in their place but um pretty good Big Ten team very physical and a lot of focus on defense um people will probably remember their head coach Brett Bielema uh who was at Arkansas for a few years and before that was at Wisconsin took them to a couple Rose Bowls so uh if you have any idea of um you know the kind of football his teams play um that's that's probably what you can expect um, that may not excite Mississippi State fans uh, if they remember playing Iowa a few years ago in, I think it was the Outback Bowl. I'm not totally sure. Yeah, it was the Outback Bowl. So um, hopefully it won't be a repeat of that performance and uh, Mississippi State can get to nine. Yeah, I don't really know what to expect from Illinois, to be honest. Like, I just don't know. 
I, I mean, like I've seen a little bit of them, but nothing of them has. I mean, uh, the way the way that I kind of see bowl games, the games that are in and around January first, uh, so New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, whatever it might be, either you're in a um, you know one of the New Year's six. Or you're in a pretty damn good bowl game because games like the Gator Bowl, games like the Outback Bowl, the Citrus Bowl, things like that, those games have much higher payouts for teams that are involved, which means that the teams in it are pretty good. Um, I didn't think that, you know, as good for as good as Illinois started to be where they are now to get into a bowl game like this, I really didn't expect that, to be honest. Um, They've been a good team this year, don't get me wrong. I just didn't know that they were good enough to get into a bowl game that was in and around New Year's. So... Uh, I guess that shows that the um, the committee, um, you know, selecting ball games and all that saw something that I maybe I didn't see in them. Um, I agree with Khan. They definitely are, you know, a very physical team. Uh, the Big Ten is known for having physical teams, especially those who are like tried. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, like I don't even know if tried and true is 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 an actual phrase that I got correct but like like the original Big Ten members so teams like Illinois teams like Iowa teams like Minnesota teams like them are very very physical teams um and very much embody what the Big Ten are like uh, I wouldn't say the same thing with teams like Maryland and Rutgers because they're you know much newer teams and and I would say much more uh they try to be much more explosive on offense than um the same way on defense but definitely Illinois fits into that category of being uh a Big Ten team that that is physical and plays physical and tries to win a physical game. So that should be an interesting test for Mississippi state. Um, and then also with all of the transfers and players declining for the draft and all that stuff, we're going to see a much different, I'm sure a much different Illinois team and a much different Mississippi state team on January 2nd. So that should be interesting as well. Yeah. It's interesting that it is January 2nd. I was told today by the communications director for the bowl game that uh, all these new year's day games are being pushed to January 2nd this year. Because the NFL is taking over Sunday, January 1st. So that's not much of a surprise. I just don't think I put two and two together before this. But the Outback Bowl or the ReliQuest Bowl now typically played on New Year's Day. It's getting pushed off a day because of the big bad NFL. So for those hoping to uh, go to Tampa on New Year's Day, make sure your tickets are for the second and you have a hotel. I mean, you could still go on New Year's Day. It's just you won't be able to see. I mean, I don't don't even know. Are the Bucs playing at home? Because maybe you'll see a Bucs game. Who knows? If not, then <laughs> do you want to see a Bucks game this way? I mean, they looked okay against the Saints, and they don't normally beat the Saints, which is like a very, very low bar to cross. So, I mean, uh... I mean, if you're a Sickos football fan, uh, a doubleheader of Tampa Bay Buccaneers football, and then Mississippi State versus Illinois seems right up your alley. Also, it's Bucks only... Panthers. It's Bucks Panthers at home on the first, so that's really Ooh, man. Ooh, now yeah. that. Some spicy football coming up that weekend. Nothing like the NFC South and the Big Ten West back-to-back days. Sam Darnold and Tom Brady reunion. It Wait, uh, wait. So because of that, that means the game – because obviously the games would be played on the 31st because those are all the college football playoff semifinal games and things like that, I would assume. So does that mean that January 2nd is a Monday? It is. That's when the state bowl game is going to be. <laughs> and the oh, Panthers game is, is New Year's Day. Man, so, yo, if you guys want to spend money to watch – some very interesting football. Tampa, Florida is the place to be around New Year's. Yeah, I'll be flying in on New Year's Day. I think during that Panthers Bucks game, so that's gonna be man, fun. Imagine if yeah, USF be a lot of fun. Man, imagine if USF, like if the college football season had like gone that far and USF was like half decent. Now that would be an atrocious football weekend. No offense to USF fans, but uh your football team was bad last year or this year, so 
I don't know what you guys have seen from the rest of the bowl games. I'm trying to remember some of the matchups. I really like Kansas State playing Alabama. And of course, the very really good game. bowl between Texas, uh, Tennessee and Clemson, excuse me. What big do you guys think of the college football playoff field? Because I kind of think Alabama is one of the best four teams in the country. However, they didn't play like it. And I think TCU was rewarded correctly. I kind of think they got it right. What about you guys? Agreed. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm a little bit biased when it comes to, you know, the, the playoff selection, but I, I am glad that TCU kept their number three spot. I don't think a loss to a team they've already beaten by a field goal in overtime says too much about them. I definitely don't think Alabama should have gotten in uh, considering their two losses and how those losses, ah, how those losses have aged um, the LSU one specifically. Um, and I, I also think just kind of from an Ohio state perspective, they need to earn the right to play Michigan again. I wouldn't have liked to see them play Michigan in, you know, in a rematch just four weeks after they'd already lost to them embarrassingly at home. So, uh, Georgia's gonna obviously be, you know, probably the biggest test to earn that right again. So, um, I, I, I think these are entertaining matchups. And um, yeah, I'm 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 trying to pull up the rest of the bowl games because I remember that there were some other matchups that really kind of jumped out to me. Tulane well, USC would be kind of fun. I think that'll mm-hmm. be a good one. Speaking of USC, uh, James Draws has effectively ended the USC football program after once again losing to Utah. Uh, I, I mean, at this point, you might as well just if you're a USC fan, you might as well just jump ship because. There's no way that you're recovering from two what happens in in, in a football season. Uh, I don't know. It was a very, I mean, like I, so me and Theo were in Hattiesburg for the state championships for high school football. And we were watching all those games. And I wanted, I really like new teams in the college football playoff because I don't like watching the same three or four teams compete for it every year. It gets really, really boring. And I understand Georgia hasn't been in it that much, and Michigan hasn't been in it that much, but in terms of recency, they were both in it last year. So I was a little bit more fine with them being in. It was the other two that I was trying to figure out. Um, and, Colin, as much as I um, I know you're an Ohio State fan, I really didn't want to see Ohio State in the playoff, only because I wanted to see USC make it. Uh, then USC obviously failed at doing so. So uh, Ohio State you know, jumped them in the poll as a result. Um, but I'm glad that we get to see one new team in there for the first time, which is TCU. Would have been nice to get two, which would have been TCU and USC. Obviously, that didn't happen. But I, I think it's going to be a good playoff. I think we're probably the one and two teams, or uh, at least in my opinion, are probably going to be the ones who will face off in the national championship game. Uh, I could be wrong. I just think that Georgia's a juggernaut right now and just cannot be stopped by anyone. I mean, even when you think that they don't have a good offense, they put up 50 in the ICC championship game. So that's quite incredible. Um, So, you know, it it should be really, really entertaining. And obviously Michigan definitely did their part uh, in the Big Ten championship game. I know that everyone was making the, oh, Purdue was unranked and Michigan's number two. So Purdue's going to pull off another upset. Uh, Purdue did look really good in that game. I'm not going to lie. Purdue definitely showed that they were you know, worthy of making it regardless of how bad the big um, Big Ten West is. But, yeah, definitely going to be an interesting college football playoff uh, overall. You mentioned, you know, that Georgia being just kind of a juggernaut. Stetson Bennett is one of the four Heisman finalists. How do you guys feel about his inclusion in that list? Because the others being, you know, Caleb Williams, C.J. Stroud, Max Duggan, 
And then Stetson Bennett, who, you know, has pretty good stats this year. Quarterback at the number one undefeated team. I, I kind of, I'm not, I don't hate his inclusion in the finalists. I don't hate that, you know, he's going to be a top four finisher. How do you guys feel about that? Um, I feel sort of similarly, yeah, similarly to how I did last year, which is, I, f- I feel like we're just kind of on the quarterback hype train now. Like this, this feels more like the Davey O'Brien award than it does best player in the country award. When I, I thought Will Anderson was the best player last year. I don't think you can make that argument this year. I'm not, I'm not even sure, you know, which individual defensive players um, you could really single out for the Heisman award, but I know for sure that Georgia has a handful of them that probably deserve to be there more than sets of men. It does. Um, I think he's a fine quarterback. Um, this this isn't an award to determine which quarterbacks are going to be the best in the NFL or who's going to be the number one overall pick. And the history of the award determined uh, has shown that that's usually not the case anyway. Um, but you know, for a college quarterback, not many people have had a better better career than Stetson Bennett even entering this season. So I I'm fine with him. You know, getting some flowers first time at Georgia. I don't think he's going to win the Heisman Trophy. I think it's probably Caleb Williams at this point. Um, CJ Stroud probably lost his chance to do that against Michigan, which is part on Ryan Day and part on him. But um, yeah, I, I I just didn't feel great getting the update and seeing it was four quarterbacks again that were going to be headed to New York. Yeah, yeah last I, year I voted for Will Anderson to win my first year voting because his stats just leapt off the page. You know, the mm-hmm. best player in the country was pretty clearly him. And I looked this year voting, you know, on, on Sunday. I couldn't really find anybody who I considered to leap off the page. Ended up going with a quarterback, even though, you know, I don't typically try to do that. Just I didn't see anybody who was like head and shoulders, the best player in the country, regardless of position. Mm-hmm. Also, I just think that that's a slight flex for Theo, that he's a Heisman voter. I just think that he's like <laughs> realizing it. Um, I did want to say I think that Blake Corum should get a little bit more love. I think he had a really, really good season with Michigan. I understand he also got hurt. So I'm sure that that probably ended up killing not only his season, but his chances at getting the Heisman. Um, also, I had no clue Stetson Bennett was 25. I had no clue about that. He's the and same also, age as Lamar Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Lamar has played five seasons in the NFL. Or what, what? What is it? Four or five seasons in the NFL and has won an MVP. And Stetson Bennett is still in college football and low-key serving Canes because I know that he did that as, like, a thing after they won the Natty, but, like, also that is an actual thing that happened. Um, so I can't believe I, – I, I think for that alone, I can't believe he's a finalist because he's 25 and is still playing college football. Yeah, I mean, look, Kenny Pickett is a rookie right now, and he is a year older than Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts, two players who – you know, have have been in the league. I, I think what three years now. So, uh, yeah, Hurts has been in the league three years. Yeah, the the there's starting to be a pretty clear difference between you know some of those quarterbacks who get that opportunity in college and some of the ones who you know are noticed earlier. Um, that that's not to say that you know if you're playing into your mid twenties in college, you can't be an NFL starting quarterback. That's obviously not the case with Pickett. And I think Joe Burrow was like 23, 24 when he got drafted. So, I mean, hey, it, it could still happen. Also, I did not. Oh, wait, sorry. My bad, Theo. <laughs> Just to wrap up the Heisman talk, I can't give my ballot yet because, you know, I have to wait until it's announced. Who would be your guys' top three? Alex, you can't say Talia. 
Um, I mean, he wasn't because he kept getting hurt. So, like, I can't vote for a guy who keeps getting hurt. <laughs> it was, it was like for him then. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that was another thing. I really wanted Blake Parham to get more recognition, but unfortunately, he didn't. Um, I mean, also the injury didn't help. Uh, I would probably say Caleb Williams, Stroud, and Duggan. I, I would probably go one, two, three there. Um, maybe Duggan over Stroud. Uh, I, I, I definitely would have put Bennett in my top three. Colin? Yeah, I, I really don't know. Um, I think I would probably vote Caleb Williams first if I had to choose. Um, you know, I want to be different and say Jalen Carter from Georgia. It's just, you know, it's kind of hard to put defensive players out there. So, um, yeah, I'll go Caleb Williams, then Jalen Carter, and then CJ Stroud because okay. I have to. Very bold. We'll see if Carter gets any votes uh, on Saturday. <laughs> it's going to do it for the football part of the podcast, but we've got basketball going on. Colin, you were at Sam Purcell's media availability today. He's always an excitable guy. What did he have to talk about today? Uh, so I asked him a little bit about stretching the floor, um, you know, getting shots to fall and kind of recovering from slow offensive starts has been a little bit of a problem for them so far this season. Um, but they have a lot of, you know, really good shooters. So Debrisha Poe, who's come in uh, as a true freshman and started every game and looked really good. She had a career night against Grambling State on Sunday. Uh, she scored 19 points to lead the way for the Bulldogs. Uh, Jess Carter had another really good night. She had a double-double with uh, 15 and 10, I think. And then uh, Danae Carter had 11 and 11, which uh, she's had maybe a faster start to the season than I anticipated. Uh, she tore her ACL uh, early February uh, last season. So she had basically all of summer and then the fall to recover from that. But She's come back. She's played with a brace on, but she d- hasn't really looked like she's lost a step. Um, Purcell said before the season he was going to give her a lot of room for error. Um, and she, you know, she's taking advantage of that. She's taking advantage of, you know, getting some freedom to play the four instead of playing at the five, which she had to do last year because um, Mississippi State really had no other options, at, you know, in the post. So, um, yeah, they've. They, they've not really struggled scoring in the post with the, the two Carters and Romani Parker, who's been out for a little bit, but she's been good coming off the bench this season. Um, they just haven't gotten, I guess, as consistent play from their guards, maybe on offense. Um, Hayes and Jaquela Jordan have both had nights where they've produced a lot of points, but there are times this season where, you know, just getting shots to fall from deep and really spacing the floor and creating more space in the paint for those post players becomes a problem. So, I think that's something they're going to try and work on uh, over these next few games before they hit the SEC. Yeah, and with the men's team, they're playing Sunday night at Minnesota. Minnesota came into Starkville last year, won a pretty close game where State had some opportunities for sure down the stretch. I think it was like 80 to 75 or 76, so close game. You know, I was kind of anticipating they'd take a lot from that game, but when I asked Chris Jans on Monday about it, he said he hasn't even thought to like ask his players about that game or watch the tape because teams just vary so differently from year to year. Mississippi State certainly does. I mean, they lost Molinar, they lost several other guys, got a lot of transfer players. So I kind of see where he's coming from with the team being so different. Of course, the women's team looks pretty different too with Jessica Carter back, full season from Danae, you know, all the transfers that they have. 
just you see, you know, all these players in the transfer portal for football and, you know, how much that's affected other sports as well. So it's kind of interesting that it's just so different year to year that you can't really take much from previous games. You guys have yeah, obviously think... watched the Big Ten a lot more than I do. What do you guys think of Minnesota basketball, if you have any opinion on them? I've not watched a single Minnesota okay. game this year. Um, I'm assuming from their record, they're a little bit different from last year, though. But Yeah, they're 4-4. Four and four. They're not very good. Yeah. I think they lost to, like, Purdue or something, and uh, they lost to you. Purdue's a good loss. Let it be known, Purdue's a pretty good loss. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah, I um, I guess from what I know about Minnesota – they're a team that is very, very weird. They're, you know, they can be really, really good at times and really, really bad at times. And we've seen very much the character arc of Minnesota men's basketball in recent years hit both of those peaks. Uh, this year, uh, Theo, like you said, they're, you know, they're around the 500 mark. So they should be a team that should be, you know, relatively competing in the Big Ten, more or less going to be a team that's going to be towards the lower end. But they're not going to be a complete pushover. They're going to be a team that is um, going to compete, going to stay in games. And Williams Arena, which is where State's going to be traveling to, is a very tough arena to play basketball in. Um, for those that don't know, Williams Arena uh, in Minneapolis, that's the raised court. If you guys have ever seen a Minnesota game, they basically like trademarked the raised court. Uh, and now you see that at the Final Four and other and at other um, regional sites in the NCAA, things like that. So they're, they're, it's going to be a very interesting game to watch because if Minnesota's student section come shows up, the, the place is packed, it should be a very, very entertaining and interesting game. And it should be because State's a ranked team. So I think, you know, a credit to State for, you know, getting to this point where they're a ranked team in Jans' first year. And I know it's early on, but still, that's a good accomplishment to start off. But uh, it it should be a good test because playing a, uh, any Big Ten team, you're going to experience, um, you know, a hard nosed team, a tough defense to play against, a team that's not going to try to score a lot of points because they're going to just play physical and try to beat you like that. Maybe you're just triggered from the Wisconsin Maryland game last night. No, no, not really. Honestly, I'm very encouraged by that loss because I don't ever like going to Wisconsin and playing them. They're just a really really tough team to play at home. So I was encouraged by it. They were down like ten. And they ended up only being down two at the half, and they stayed competitive throughout the rest of the game. So, for what it's worth, I understand they didn't win, but um, I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing so far out of Willard. I, I just like the energy from the team. I think that they're doing a lot of good stuff right now. What you mentioned though, that the raised court just seems dangerous to me. Just that like drop off. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It, it it's definitely dangerous, but looks cool. I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's cool to see them, you know, bursting out from under the bench. You know, when they. Yeah, yeah, that part is a little bit weird. That, it's like for those that haven't seen the raised court before at Minnesota, it's like a lot of the seats are like at the level of the raised court and then like going upward from there. So it is kind of a weird thing to see like guys just like stepping up to get to the scores table or whatever it is instead of just, you know, at eye level doing the exact same thing. I It should be a, uh, an interesting experience for people who haven't seen uh, games there before. Yeah, but like you said, I mean, State's ranked now. They're 23rd. I mean, after this game, you have Jackson State and Jackson, Nichols State, and then an interesting non-conference game with Drake. I think Drake is better than Minnesota by a decent margin. That'll be interesting. That's going to be in Lincoln, Nebraska, so a lot closer to Drake territory than to Mississippi State territory. But 
you can see a path to at least like 11 and 0 if you win this game because then you have Jackson and Nichols in the next two and if you're 11 and 0 you know going through non-conference play even 11 and 1 if you lose Minnesota you lose Drake that's just a great non-conference performance obviously not the most difficult schedule but you can't really ask for anything more yeah i think when they're factoring in things like you know like good wins good losses strength of schedule things like that these like first name universities that somehow have really good basketball teams really pop up so like you know xavier drake those those are going to look good on your resume unfortunately lamar does not follow that trend lamar's not very good Ah, I was going to say, they have, what, like four or five teams like that that I'm thinking of? Marquette, Utah, Minnesota, Drake, and then is there another team that I'm missing off the top of my head? From their non-conference slate, not really. Akron was not awful. Yeah, Akron's pretty decent. Uh, Then maybe, so, like, four to four and a half. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) We can can throw Akron at that point. I think their non-conference is ranked, like, number 330 out of 363 right now, just because... You know, you play Mississippi Valley State. It's one of the five worst teams in the country. You played like Corpus Christi was not great. Um, Pine Bluff is also one of the worst teams in the country. I think those two games kind of skew things a lot. But there haven't been a ton of like upper elites, you know, top 50, top 20 opponents in the non-conference. That's yeah. not necessarily a bad thing. But if it comes down to it, it might cost them down the line when it comes to, you know, seating purposes. I don't think it would be anything that would keep them out of the tournament. But just the fact that we're talking about seeding at all is a good sign. I mean, Bracketology had them as a six seed this week, which is, you know, great for a team that's made the tournament once in the last 13 years. Yeah, I, I mean, it really just comes down to you got to win some SEC games. And, you know, that's tough to do. But this is a team that's shown that, you know, they're up for a fight at least. And as talented a roster as they've had over the last few years, um, there's a time... You know, one of Ben Hallen's teams in 2016, 2017, that sort of era when they had the Weatherspoon brothers. Um, I mean, th- those were teams that were really talented and probably could have, you know, been tournament teams that just um, lost it at the end of big games. And we saw that a lot last season. Um, and, you know, that's a mentality thing that they're going to have to shake. Yeah, I, mean, I did want a lot more games of just closing out some of these, winning the, some of those close games. I mean, you, you saw the potential for a, 23-24 win season for sure. Yeah, and I, I did want to say about the non-conference, I think it's interesting that we're kind of critiquing it now in Jans' first season. So maybe this will be, as he kind of goes through um, his tenure at Mississippi State, however long he decides to stay in Starkville, if he you know sees that yeah, this is a decent schedule year one, but we can improve upon that, that's something to kind of build upon. I don't want to say, like, I'm going to use Maryland as an example here just because the gauntlet that they're going through right now, it is conference and non-conference, but just the gauntlet that they're going through right now is just, like, if you were like any other team, you'd be like, oh, my God, because it was Illinois at, at home, Wisconsin on the road, uh, Tennessee neutral site, and then UCLA at home. So, like, that four-game stretch is ridiculous. Um, so I'm not saying do that because – I don't think any same team would do that, but I'm glad that Maryland's doing that. Trust me. But um, I, I think that if state were to get some better opponents on the schedule moving forward, um, I think that would really, really help them. And, and I'm not saying like huge names, but just names that have gotten into tournament recently, names that have hovered around the top 25, just teams that are going to be competitive, kind of like what Mississippi state, the women's team did um, by having, you know, teams like Nebraska, who, uh, speaking of upsetting, speaking of Maryland, they upset Maryland in women's basketball. So that's a good loss for Mississippi State. 
Um, and then also South Dakota, a team who's been hovering around the top 25 and has been in the tournament recently. You know, having teams like that on your docket and on your schedule that you can um, use to, you know, bolster up what you have going on, bolster up your tournament resume come March. I mean, that's massive. So, you know, hopefully that's a good sign moving forward that he realizes that, you know, this was an OK schedule, but we can do a lot better than this. Yeah, I'm also not sure how many of those games were already finalized by the time he took the job as far as like what he could. That is also true. That is also true. Because I've been thinking about that. I'm not really sure how many of those contracts were finished, how many of those games were kind of locked in for the season. So it's definitely he'll be able to, you know, kind of like build upon that. So, you know, again, see what you got and then build from there and, and produce from there. Yeah, like I know Minnesota was a home and home, you know, that was already, I'm sure, on the schedule because they played in Starkville last year. But that's obviously one of the better games. I don't know. I mean, does Illinois, Wisconsin, Tennessee, UCLA, does that really compare to Omaha, Mississippi Valley State, Minnesota, and Jackson State? Because I think it's like one and the other pretty Yeah, hard. I mean, I mean, you know, one of them is that, and then the other one is hell. So, <laughs> but like, it's a good hell. Again, the reason why I'm happy with a good non-conference schedule, and the same thing for football, is that, you know, especially with teams that have young coaches, or not, not young coaches, but you know, first year coaches, coaches that are new to the program, it really sets the standard for what you're going to expect with that team under that coaching staff moving forward. So, you know, again, with Maryland, if they can do well with Willard through this non-conference schedule, this helps them out, sets them in a good position moving forward for the Big Ten and for next year. Same thing with, um, I think that Mississippi State had a pretty good non-conference schedule in, in, in football this year, you know, testing themselves out, moving forward in a positive direction. I think the more that you can do that, the better that's going to set yourselves up for the future, whomever it might be. So, you know, again, positive things moving forward. But State's looking, I mean, you know, it's, there's a reason why they're, they're still unbeaten and they're ranked in the, um, in the top 25 right now in the UP. Yeah, should be a big game on Sunday night. That's on the Big Ten Network at 7.30 p.m. on Sunday, Mississippi State and Minnesota. Check in with you next week after that one. For Alex and Colin, I'm Theo DeRosa signing off.